0: Hey, I'm Jesse, let's continue in Nehemiah. The people of God in the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Jewish people, they've rebuilt their temple, they're reestablishing their Jewish culture around the Torah, and Nehemiah's big construction project is now complete. The wall is back up. And so they've observed the Temple of Booths and they're confessing sin, and they're singing this hymn. It begins with this beautiful soaring doxology, And now the story, the narrative begins to unfold. This is Nehemiah chapter nine, verse seven. You, the Lord, are the God who chose Abram. Remember, his name wasn't always Abraham. It began as Abram. And brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and changed his name to Abraham. You found his heart faithful in your sight and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, heathites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. Interestingly, uh, missing from this list is the Hivites, by the way. To give it to his descendants, you have fulfilled your purpose, your your promise, for you are righteous. So they take a moment and they zoom out and they see where they fit in this grand promise that God had made. There's a long time that's gone by here from the first iteration of that promise to where they find themselves. And there have been There have been uh, years and years and decades and even centuries of reasons to wonder, like, what is going on? Where is this promise? God said that He would bless the people of Israel above everybody else, that He would make this promise through Abraham, and now things aren't looking good. Nehemiah would confess as much, he would say, it's because of our sin, but he reminds God of that promise. But if we confess our sin, if we turn from our wicked ways, that You would heal us, You'd bring us back into our own land. They had been dominated by the Assyrians, they had been utterly decimated by the Babylonians, and things were left in ruins. Now, man, the temple's rebuilt, community is reestablishing, the wall is complete, Jerusalem is once more completed. And now here they sit in a rebuilt temple with a rebuilt wall right where God said they would be. We've seen 12 tribes of Israel the reason I point out the conspicuously absent Hivites is that typically when you list the nations of the of the Gentiles, there are seven of them. The Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. Uh, and this is given to the descendants of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. This was God's will. This was God's will, this was God's design. And it began with this call upon Abram, whom the Lord loved. In verse 8, says, you found his heart faithful. So you made a covenant with him. It's incredible to behold. Who, like, who are we? Who is Abram, as great as a guy as he was, that, that God would make a covenant with him? It's purely indicative of just grace on God's part. Because what, like, what is Abram to do should God not hold up his end of the bargain? He has no recourse against God. The covenant is based purely upon the character of God. Now, here's the thing. That's the greatest foundation for a covenant ever because the character of God is perfect and flawless. Now, what is God to do if Abram doesn't hold up his end of the bargain? Well, the only option, I mean, it's perfectly fair of God to just condemn Abram forever, but what God does is show grace and he establishes this nation. Ultimately, ultimately, at the end of the story, it's all for the glory of God. It's all for God's glory. So either way, despite his imperfections, Abram is found faithful in God's sight. God makes this covenant with Abraham. And it's not included in the lyrics here, but we know having read the book of Genesis that it's reiterated multiple times over. And the promise is audacious. I mean, in chapters 12 and 15, 17 and 22, it's, it's reiterated and even expounded upon. And the imagery would shift from iteration of iteration to the, to the covenant. That no, your descendants are gonna be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And then another iteration, as numerous as the stars in the sky. At one point, he even has Abram go outside and look up. See the scar and count the stars if you can. That's how numerous your descendants are gonna be. And it's just beyond it's beyond comprehension. Moreover, Abram's age is to be taken into consideration. Okay, as, as he, his name is changed to Abraham, God tells him and his wife, You're gonna have a son. Sarah, his wife, laughs at the thought, and that's where his name comes from. Itzak, Isaac. Hebrew it means laughter. And, and it's just because it's a laughable thought that this couple, this couple in their old, old age would have a child. And then God calls him to sacrifice that child in Genesis 22. I mean, wow, like the number of times that this covenant seems to have been on the brink and then beyond lost is, is insurmountable. And then beyond that, when the, when the nation finally does come about, man, they're, they're in slavery. And then when they, when they escape from slavery, they're in the exodus. And then after the Exodus, they have to take the land of Canaan. And as they take the land of Canaan, they suffer loss at times. Most of the time under Joshua's leadership, Man, everything's going great. They had this amazing leader named Moses. He has his own testimony where it all seemed lost multiple times. And now under Joshua's leadership, everything's going great. And then when there's sin in the camp, suddenly they started experiencing loss. In Joshua chapter 11, at last they subdue and take the land of Canaan. Everything looks great, right? No, then into the book of Judges. Everyone does what is right in his own eyes. Does that sound like modern culture? Yeah, it's the same context as the grossest book in the Bible, the book of Judges. So over and over again, it seemed like, oh, this is a great covenant and now everything's going to be lost. Oh, it's going to be amazing. Everything is lost. Oh, look, God's doing it. Oh, never mind. It's utter disaster. And now, after all of that time, they remember the, the promise that God made. And they're standing there, surrounded by this newly rebuilt wall. And it's true. The covenant is true, despite innumerable opportunities over the years to say God doesn't really mean what he said. They're standing there remembering the original covenant. You have fulfilled your promise, verse eight says, for you are righteous. The covenant from God is based upon God's character. Who is greater than God? What collateral might God put down Right, think on it. We know that he gives us the Holy Spirit as a down payment guaranteeing our inheritance for what is to come. But if God were to renege on the deal, who's gonna hold him accountable for that? There's no one greater than God. God fears no one. And so the covenant is based purely on the righteousness of God, the character of God, the dependability of God, which is absolutely, absolutely unassailable. The character of God is perfect. He is holy, he is righteous. What he says he will do, he does every single time. He said he would do this through Abraham, and look, he's done it. It's the year 2022. Turn on the news, Israel exists today. God does everything he says he will do because his character is perfect.